Welcome to the Inspirational Australians podcast, where we chat to people making a difference in their communities and in the lives of others. And here is your host for today, Josh Griffin. Thank you, Annette. And uh, before we get into this week's dose of inspiration, speaking with Julia Trong, just wanted to remind everybody to jump on to Spotify, Pod, uh, Google Podcasts, or Apple Podcasts, and leave a review for us quickly. As we've uh, just had Christmas, you know, your Christmas present to us could be a review if I can be cheeky enough to ask for that. Uh, so thank you. And another way that you can get involved with the podcast is to become an awards member. Head to awardsaustralia.com slash shop to read all about that. But uh, one of the little perks of that is we do a shout out for any member on this podcast and in a few other places too. So if you're familiar with uh, Patreon, how that works for many podcasts, it's a little bit like that, but uh, slightly different where the proceeds actually don't go towards our podcast. They go towards the community champions and inspirational Australians that are part of our awards programs to the winners. It helps fund prizes to them to help them you know, further follow their dreams and achieve great impact for the community and in their career. And uh, a great example of some of our inspirational Australians is today's guest, Julia. So before I introduce you on, Julia, normally I do a bio about you now and uh, we talk about your career and, and go backwards. But today I'm going to read out your bio from 2016 when you won the Career Kickstart category in the Victorian Young Achiever Awards. And then I'll bring you on and we'll, we'll kind of talk about coming forward to now. So, Julia, in 2016, you know, you established your own events and production business, JT Production Management, a few years prior which was very successful at that time. And you're managing a whole bunch of different events and even had another company, JT Weddings. So that's quite varied, but very cool. You're also working with various theater and art productions, um, including you were a stage manager at White Knight Melbourne. And at that time you were studying a bachelor of production as well. Lastly, you were speaking to high school students about the importance of education and you're volunteering as well. So Julia, firstly, welcome. How are you going today? Good. Thanks so much for having me. I'm, I'm going really well. Thank you. And so I want to ask you a few questions about that bio from 2016, mm -hmm. but we'll come quickly to the present. What do you, what does JT Production Management do now? And uh, give us a very brief background and kind of uh, on your working role there. Yeah, of course. So um, very, very thankful that despite um, COVID-19 over the past two years, JT Production Management is still around um, and has been really growing from strength to strength. So our company is now based in North Melbourne. Um, I have a fabulous team, team of 17 staff uh, and we basically produce unique experiences for our clients, bringing them lots of laughter, creating uh, interesting conversations um, and essentially building better communities through the work that we do with our clients. Um, so you can catch our team producing things from conferences uh, to festivals all the way through to career days, expos, awards nights uh, for a range of clientele. So anything from government all the way through to our education sector. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I recommend everyone to jump on Instagram and follow JT Production because you post really cool stuff about the different events that you run and are involved with. Thank you. Thanks for following us. <laughs> That's all right. It's always interesting. And, uh, you know, I don't really get involved with the events side of things that we, that we do here at Award Australia mm -hmm. as much. But it is nice always just to, to talk with event managers and relive those, those times. And one you did recently, Julia, was so cool. It was 
the Macedon Rangers uh, Business Awards, which is actually called, I think, the Josh's Rainbow Eggs yes. Business Awards. And Josh was a past winner of the Young Achiever Awards in Victoria too. So that was really cool to see. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We loved Josh and it was um, really, really exciting because uh, we've been working with Macedon Rangers for a number of years um, and he was also an award winner with the Macedon Rangers Business of Excellence yep. Awards um, and it was really nice to be able to get him on as a sponsor now that he's, you know, grown up so much uh, with a very successful business and doing great things in the community. So that's um was a really special event that we got to do and one of our probably first uh, events back in person since um, yep. the various lockdowns. Well, I was actually about to say, I reckon that must have been, if not the first, one of the first awards nights to happen in Victoria since we, you know, come back out because it, it lined up really well just with the way that increased capacities and we hit the, um, the I think it was the 90% mark, wasn't it? Of, yeah, yeah. Pretty much. We were hanging in there with government guidelines and I think we were like two days out. Our event was two days out from the announcement. Yep. So, um, you know, fingers and toes crossed, but we made it. Um, yeah. And it was really, really nice to be able to have people in a room celebrating, recognising all the hard work um, in the community again. Yeah, fantastic. Well, so JT Production Management, um, you mentioned to me off air just before we started that you founded that in 2013. Mm. So. You know, going back to 2016, we had the Career Kickstart Award, which was, you know, an interesting name for an award because it wasn't quite sure whether it was a small business award, whether it was, you know, in your career. And I think you kind of fit the bill really nicely because you'd started your company mm-hmm. a few years in um, and you're already achieving, you know, great things. What were some of the events that you're working on back then and how has it changed to what you do now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I do remember the award experience quite um, you know, clearly in my mind when it was back in 2016, because I feel like it was definitely a milestone for me um, in my career. Uh, and it was such a wonderful time to be recognised for the hard work um, that I was putting in, but also um, the team. And it really did, I feel like, kickstarted the next phase of JT production management, you know, went from uh, a very, very small business with myself and a couple of contractors to now growing the company as it is. Um, so the award was was a huge, um, I guess, boost in my career at that point. Um, but yeah, if we rewind back to 2016, uh, like I said, it was me and a couple of others. Um, we were still working with a lot of clients that we are now, um, but just not at the scale. So it was less volume of events, um, but still really significant and special events. So a lot more within the arts industry, um, a lot in the education sector. So, um, you know, awards nights, um, open days, uh, exhibitions, career fairs, industry seminars, um, all of those kind of experiences we would do, but not to the scale that we do now. So um, as a quick comparison, Back in 2016, um, we probably would be producing maybe, uh, you know, 20, 30 events a year. Now, this year, it's 2021, we would be knocking off the record of 150 events this year. Um, So it's been a a massive growth phase for us. um, But I, I, you know, the journey has been incredible. So, yeah. That, that is pretty cool. That's a huge in, uh, increase in, in events. And, you know, you touched on you had a smaller team then. What? How many think, do you think was uh, was working with you at that stage? Yeah, um, 2016, to be honest, I probably had only maybe two to three part-time other colleagues that would join me. 
um, you know, I didn't have an office at the time. I was still working a lot from, ironically, a lot from home, just as I am now. <laughs> um, but, you know, it was all like everyone would just come over and we'd do our thing in our um, living room and then would go to site, meet with the clients, um, that kind of thing. Never would I have thought I'd be able to, you know, afford an office, be able to scale, grow, have more team members, put structures into the company. Uh, but at that point, it was pretty much from gig to gig, you know, just trying to build out the portfolio um, and trying to also at the same time give back to the community where I can. Yeah, so that's I'm, I'm glad you said that because it was one of the questions I wanted to ask you. What kind of community involvement were you into? Yeah, um, a, a number of things. I, I guess it kind of goes back to my grassroots. So I um, grew up in Footscray. I'm a Footscray Westie girl, um, but I also came from a financially um, you know, adverse uh, family background. So that basically meant that on a day-to-day basis um, for school, I couldn't afford you know, books, pens. I couldn't go to school excursions um, due to my family circumstances. So from a very young age, the idea of being successful or being able to achieve it seems pretty far-fetched um but it was thanks to a lot of um various organizations and people in my life that really helped mentored and encouraged me to pursue what I was really passionate about and in this case events and creating live experiences um that I was able to um you know be a little bit more brave and uh decide to pursue the Bachelor of Production which I did um at the University of Melbourne which was more or less around um, theatre and festival productions So I guess from my journey of pretty much having nothing um, and not really thinking that I would be able to um, even go to university, to be honest, um, it always been a big goal of mine that if I um, were able to make it as such, um, I'd find ways to kind of give back to the community. So as a result, I've been involved in a number of you know, just being able to go to different high schools and different um, education sectors to present my story, um, do mentoring to young people, I have my own podcast as well, Collective West, a little plug there, um, where it is a platform for young people in Melbourne's West um, to be able to have access to various mentors and stories. Um, I'm also an ambassador for a fantastic charity called Western Chances as well. So um, I try to get around as much as I can to just, I guess, encourage other young people who may be facing adversity um, to know that there's always an opportunity for you to succeed one way or another. That's fantastic. And uh, I have heard from, you know, people, you know, through the awards and, and partners of ours and just people who, who want to get involved with the community, kind of wondering and asking, well, I don't know where to start because there is a lot of, you know, great charities and great groups to get involved with. And I think what you've done is an amazing example of use what's relevant to you or what's passionate for you. And, you know, you as a young person growing up wanting to had those mentors that helped you and then now you're doing the same and in your local area where you grew up so yeah I think that's a really cool the the areas that you've chosen to give back to thank you thanks for that (laughs) it must be quite rewarding as well to kind of you know almost see yourself I suppose in, in some of the people you're able to assist yeah yeah definitely you know it's this crazy feeling of um you know, because I still remember things quite clearly how I felt as a young person and not being able to simple, you know, like going on a school excursion, we couldn't afford it. Um, and just knowing that I, the, the feeling that I used to experience and, and the feeling that I was um, never on the same kind of playing field as many other young people um, and being able to go back to school and, and different high schools and um, different organisations to support and mentor other young people and seeing them realise that they have a lot of potential is a really special feeling. Yeah. 
you know, putting yourself going even further back than 2016, what was it about events that kind of interested you in the first place? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I would say it has to go back to, to oh, I don't know exact year, but I think I was around 14, uh, 15 year olds. I, like I said before, I grew up in Footscray, so I went to an all-girls public school in Footscray called Gilmore College for Girls. And uh, there was an opportunity to volunteer for Maribyrnong City Council um, to do some of their um, Battle of the Bands or music art types events. Um, and one of my mentors said, hey, put your hands up and go and just put yourself out there. I was quite shy at the time. Um, and I thought, okay, well, why not? Uh, so I went along to the council meetings and then I started um, getting really interested in the logistics of planning an event, planning a campaign or a project, got really heavily involved and we started putting on some uh, music events or hip-hop events yep. <laughs> for the community. Um, so it was like lots of um, rap battles and dance battles um, that never existed in um, our area of the town. And um, from that moment, I re recall the event that I ran and just being able to open the doors and see hundreds of people walk in um, and really enjoy themselves. There was just a, was such a special buzz that you get out of the adrenaline and the stress. Yep. <laughs> Um, that made me realise that, oh, I actually really, really thrive from this feeling and really, really love this. And I just love being able to hone in on all the little details from, you know, the, the name tags all the way through to the guest list, where people are sitting, uh, and then to be able to see the bigger picture as well and see how an event really comes together um, and what it makes people feel um, when they're yep. there and when they're leaving. So that's where it really sort of kick-started my passion. Um, never thought at, at that age that I would make it a career, but I'm really, really glad that I went down that pathway. Yep. You're so right about uh, all the emotions that you kind of were talking about then. It's making me think back as well. It is adrenaline-inducing, and uh, some people love that. And uh, in those pressure situations, you can make quick decisions and um, they really thrive on that. And, yeah, for some people it's not, you know, couldn't think of anything worse. So uh, I can see, I just know exactly what you're talking about. You, you get that feeling and it's like, oh, my God, that was stressful. But if the event starts and you just, this huge, great feeling that, uh, that kind of washes over you. Yeah. So true. So you're hosting heaps of events and, uh, you know, it's a natural thought for many people to think, well, hosting events, why not weddings? Because they're, they're big, big events. What was, was that kind of the thought process? for you or how did you get into starting, you know, doing your own wedding? Yeah, yeah that's a great question. Um, it was a bit random to be honest. So I am obviously um, Vietnamese Australian. Um, even though I was born here, cause I can speak Vietnamese quite fluently. Yeah. And it was, it just happened that I was um, at a venue uh, reception and someone approached me and said, hey, um, have you ever considered uh, running weddings and have you ever considered actually emceeing um, a wedding in, in Vietnamese and English? And I was like, oh, that sounds like fun. <laughs> yeah. um, and I do kind of like public speaking, so I thought, oh, well, maybe I'll give it a go. Um, so at the time, you know, it was sort of just the beginning of JT. So we had uh, a couple of gigs, but, you know, it wasn't as busy as it is now. So I had a bit of time to kind of go, oh, maybe I can explore the wedding side. So we did the first wedding and I remember it was a Korean and Vietnamese wedding. So it was um, two young um, people uh, coming together in 
Footscray as well. And I organized their wedding with my partner at the time. Um, and then I, I emceed and I had such a great time. It was, you know, the, to be honest, the skills in events, uh, and I'm sure you will agree, is, is really transferable in yeah. a lot of careers, um, to be honest, not just within events. So um, transferring the production and events sort of skills into the wedding side of things, um, the, I guess, formula is, is the same. Um, different clientele, obviously, and and different sort of programming and different pressure points as well because it's it's the biggest day um, of most people's lives, (laughs) their wedding day. Responsibility there. (laughs) Yeah. But, the the, yeah, the thinking process is the same. So we just did one great job, got referred on to the next one, and then next thing you know, um, sort of JT Weddings was born and our weekends were pretty much getting booked up um, doing wedding uh, wedding gigs. And it's really interesting because it, it got to 2016 when I won this particular award um, with you guys that made me sort of reflect back on where I wanted to head next. Um, it was a really interesting milestone because I was like, right, lovely to be recognised for the work that I was doing, but where do I want to go from here? Um, yeah. And uh, from a business tip perspective I obviously had two growing brands and it became apparent to me that my brand was actually muddling for a lot of people so some people would recognize um, JT as just weddings or some people would recognize JT as just um, corporates and in many ways it's great but in many other ways it wasn't so great because um, we weren't clear in our direction Uh, so I made the call that we would um, slow down on the weddings take a uh, breather on it and we just put all our energy into growing our um, corporate or the production side of it um, and so we've been doing that ever since and it's worked out very well from you from uh, as far as I can tell yeah phew lucky <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so the other thing I want to touch on in your your bio from 2016 is you were um, well two things really you were working on White Night Melbourne and 2016 I'm trying to cast my mind back I think that was either quite new in Melbourne or hadn't, mm. hadn't been around for long. What was that like to work on? Yeah, incredible. Um, like, you know, if people have attended White Night um, back in the days, it, it's such an ex- experience because it is pretty much almost 24 hours straight of entertainment activations all around Melbourne. Um, and you're right in saying, I think that would have been year one or year two um, of White Night. So um, in my early days of JT, I did a lot of freelancing gigs as well. Um, and it was really important for me to, I guess, um, grow my experience, grow my network in that way. Um, so working on White Night was really special. Um, the concept itself is so unique that you really wanted in, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> you just really wanted to see how they were running it, see it, what works. Um and yeah, I, I was managing some of the activations and it was a heap of fun, you know. Um, it's strange to, you know, go to bed early in the afternoon so that you can um, start your shift at, you know, 7pm and work all your way through to the next day. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it was good. Yeah. Because <laughs> those early years, they were, the crowds were made, like humongous. That's the only reason I didn't go those first few years. I was like, oh my gosh, so many people. But I, I'm trying to remember which I went. But um, yeah, amazing amazing events so just and as you said working all the way through the night would have been I imagine a massive crew putting that on yeah yeah definitely very very big crew lots and lots of layers uh, to operations and logistics um and you know great people that were behind the scenes on it but so so much fun yeah yep 
So fast forwarding a bit now, you know, the last couple of years have been very uh, tough for many people. The event industry being one of those, and you know, as you said before, your, your office is in North Melbourne, and uh, can only assume that many of your events would be local to Victoria. What was it like for you, say, in March 2020, even February, when uh, events are being cancelled and there was all that uncertainty? Mm. Um, it was horrible, yeah. <laughs> to say the least. Um, you know, and I'm sure many, many, many businesses, especially those in our industry, would say the same. Um, I like, you know, it, it's so bizarre because the beginning of 2020, I came back from a great holiday trip and I was like, yeah, 2020 is going to be a great year, you know, got yeah. these amazing projects lined up. I'm going to have a great time. The team's going to be awesome. Um, and then March was is usually our busiest um, month. Um, and I'm sure you would remember this as many people would when Gompre cancelled. <laughs> You're like, okay. <laughs> things are getting real and um, things are not looking great. So uh, I do remember, you know, on that Friday night when they pulled the pin, um, all of our clients were ringing us as well and just pretty much saying this project's off. I'd be like to that person, hey, stop working on that project, call all your suppliers, we're cancelling. And then next thing you know, my phone would ring again and then it's like, okay, yep, your project's gone too, cancel all the suppliers. And so this kind of domino effect um, and I remember I was, I think we were so shocked and myself and our managing director, we were like, okay, everyone tools down, let's go home because um, I don't know what to do. And it was really scary because I think within that kind of week of things um, becoming quite serious and everyone's kind of prepping for lockdown pretty much, we did some quick maths and we realised we lost about 90% of our contracts um, yeah. and we probably had enough cash to keep the team afloat for the next two months. So it was a really scary realisation, um, especially when it's like, you know, JT's been my baby that I've worked on for so long that I could lose everything and um, could lose the team and, um, you know, and be in lockdown forever. <laughs> um but what I was really, really thankful for was at that time we made a decision that instead of standing down all of our staff, which understandably many companies had to do, um, we all said to the team, let's, let's you know, shorten our days. Um, let's put our heads together and think of some virtual concepts and virtual ideas. Um, how can we continue to engage with our clients and support them during this time? And that's when we came up with the concept of Couch Community, uh, which essentially is um, we ran a couple of series uh, where we brought together comedians, um, chefs, both industries who had big losses at the time um, to put on some, you know, shows, essentially cooking shows um, that were quite funny and humorous. And then our um, online audience were able to engage and cook along with it. We ran a series of episodes and we, we kicked off our first one pretty much in April, so pretty quickly after the lockdown, um, where we were just trialling system. It was a great opportunity for us to go, hey, we're in the shits. <laughs> let's just try whatever we can. Let's test yeah. system. Let's test Zoom, whatever you can Google. Let's give it a go. Um, people were very forgiving. They were very supportive. You know, they were tuning in on Facebook, YouTube, watching us trying to cook with these amazing chefs. Um, we started doing delivery boxes, started rolling out versions of that concept. Um, and so thankfully with everyone's hard work, um, especially, you know, crediting my team at the time um, and our clients who really stuck in there with us, we turned things around. So by June, we took that concept and pitched it to other clients. 
they started um, engaging in our services to produce these entertainment series for them. And they started engaging in our services to really um, design virtual experiences for them. And so yeah. we really were able to kind of turn ourselves around by the end of the year. And then 2021 comes along and everyone's like, yeah, we're back out. <laughs> um, and then, of course, we get locked in again. <laughs> and um, I'm really, really thankful once again that the team sort of um, worked really, really hard and that we were able to have really great plans in place this time around because we kind of yeah. know what we know now uh, and have been able to continue to grow um, quite significantly um, this year in particular. So we've actually tripled in size in 2021 and so that's where we're at now which is pretty amazing to think that half of the year roughly you know i haven't got the exact numbers but we're in lockdown or at least with some kind of severe restrictions that impact events and you've been increasing and you know not asking you to look into a crystal ball too much but do you think in 2022 you'll have still a large portion of online events and online components of your work yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's a great question. I honestly think um, virtual experiences is here to stay for a little longer. Um, I definitely think that there will be still a lot of online engagement, just naturally because I think people are realising that, hey, um, there's a cost difference in producing an online event. There's also an accessibility um, point of difference as well. Like a lot of our clients realised they could reach, you know, much wider audience, um, have longer term engagement, have longer shelf life in the videos and the content that we produce for them. Um, and so that becomes really appealing for a lot of people. So I think, um, yeah, everyone is definitely hanging in there to be back in person and, and to be able to, you know, have a glass of wine, you know, eat some canapes, network with people um, in person rather than a screen. But at the same time, I do think um, hybrid events and online events are, are here to stay for a little while. Yeah, for sure. So, Julie, you touched on, um, I love that concept you're talking about of, you know, the cooking shows and then you package that up and use that as a, you know, product and service to other clients. You know, amazing uh, job by you and the team. Was that part of your thinking back then or was it, you know, a really just happy byproduct of, of doing those events so well? Mm, um. A little bit cheekily was part of the thought process, um, yeah, and a lot of it was. <laughs> um, but there's definitely a part of it was pretty much like fingers crossed this works out, <laughs> yeah. um, because you know you just don't know how people would react. We found that you know back in sort of March, April, our clients was as as shocked as we were with the impact of COVID nineteen, um, and they weren't really interested in talking about engagement they were just trying to transition to working from home um, so it bought us some really good time for us to kind of um, I guess do a lot of R&D on our side of things work out what works what doesn't work what programs great what programs not so great and uh, it was definitely a tough period because when we were producing these episodes as much as I could see that it's a great concept and I can definitely sell it back out if you like. Um, at the same time, you know, we, we were all just taking risk and just going, I hope that this is paying off <laughs> eventually. Um, and thankfully it did. So, um, yeah, so it's a combination of, it was a bit of strategy and a bit of um, fingers crossed. I hope this works. Yeah, for sure. 
interrupting this week's episode to let you know about the new initiative we've launched with people to join us in supporting inspirational Australians just like the people we chat to on this very podcast. How does it work? Well, for only $50 a year, now that's 14 cents a day, can you believe? You can get involved and become an awards member and 100% of those proceeds will go towards prize grants for our winners. It gives people a chance to directly contribute to the community champions that we celebrate through the Community Achievement Awards and the Young Achiever Awards programs. As a member, you get first access to our notifications about the awards, plus we give you some shout-outs on social media in our quarterly newsletter and on this podcast, which brings me to this week's new members, two incredible Tasmanians. Firstly, just like to shout-out Madeline Wells, who's actually been a past finalist in the Tasmanian Young Achiever Awards, uh, most recently in the first national Real Estate Leadership Award. So thank you, Madeline. And also thank you to Eamon Jaffrey, who was actually a winner in the 2021 Tasmanian Community Achievement Awards in the Heather and Christopher Chong Outstanding Achiever Award. Two inspirational Australians right there. And uh, you can also support the people that we celebrate through this podcast and through our awards by becoming an awards member. Head to awardsaustralia.com slash shop to find out all the details. Uh, but now, back to the episode. Well, you know, now that we've, um, we are moving forward and uh, with high vaccination rates and all that, it seems like lockdowns will be much less likely. Mm. You know, I'm asking because you've got a very quick-thinking, innovative approach to, to business. Do you have any tips for other business owners out there on how they can approach 2022, whether it's, you know, they've got staff, wanting to work from home in the office, they're wanting to work on you know, new ideas. What do you think should be some of the, the focuses for the year ahead? Yeah, that's a brilliant one. I would say, I mean, just, just around the, I guess, your first point about staffing, um, I think for me it comes back to culture and it's so important to ensure that we build a great culture, especially as we are coming out of COVID-19. Like everyone's had such a tough and you know, horrid two years. Um, and I think, you know, even for JT, it's about maintaining our staff morale. It's about making sure that our staff is feeling positive, that we're looking after their mental health moving forward. And so um, building that trusted culture is really, really critical, generally anyway, COVID-19 or not, to a, a, a business be, being successful. Um, so in saying that, I think in 2022, um, the notion of, and depending on your type of work, of course, um, for us, both Victor and I, um, who is our managing director, we both have a lot of trust in our team and we both acknowledge that it's really important that we do allow them to work from home, have that hybrid work. We know that, you know, honestly, it works. You know, we've been doing it for two years. There's no excuses. And we have a lot of faith in them that they're, they're doing the right thing and they're doing a great job. So in saying that, I think 2022 is all about flexibility and being able to build on culture, look after your team, um, maintain your team. And that may be that it is allowing them to work from home more, allowing them to have more flexibility, um, but just also showing that you care um, coming out of COVID-19. I think the emotional factor of it is really important. And as a business owner, and even if you're not a business owner and you're a manager of a team, um, it's a really important skill and aspect in your role that you really need to take on and, and focus on for um, next year um, as we come out of this. Um, I've forgotten what your second question was. <laughs> um, uh, more, I guess, innovation and uh, yeah. you know, utilising online uh, engagements to 
I guess, build, to build the business and, and grow in 2022? Yeah. Um, I mean, around, I guess, to that part, around innovation, I think what I've learned is that you, unlike probably what school and uni would teach you in terms of the process of innovating and product development and then trialing and then, you know, bring it to market. Um, I'm your proof or JT is your proof that um, you can innovate product development <laughs> trial and then bring it to market in a really rapid pace um, yeah. if you truly believe in it and if you are flexible um, and that you're welcoming feedback and that you act quick and move quick. Um, so I think, you know, moving to 2022 and beyond, um, I'm certainly a lot more open to concepts that the team bring to the table. Um, you know, we're, every week when we do team meetings, we're always like, who's got new ideas? How can we make things more efficient? How do we develop things out? Um, and not being wedded to certain platforms or certain um, systems that are in place, especially with our line of work where we are using a lot of different um I guess, uh, technology to make our virtual experiences successful. Um, we're never saying to the team that this is a system you must use forever. We're always saying to them, this is a system we're using currently because we know it works, we've trialed it, but hey, let's check out the market, what other systems are out there and, and let's bring it on board and, and trial it. So being really open to making changes and just not concreting your pathway, um, I think is a really important tip. Yeah, fantastic. And uh, kind of, something it's related to something we've talked about already but uh you know after we kind of came out of some of these most recent lockdowns in end of october and november and you were so busy was it a, a big change in pace having to you know work at live physical events in person and you know, how did you and your team i guess respond to that change of uh, pace to be honest i feel like our team's been on this crazy busy pace um for a little while it's it's been quite um Busy. You know, we've yeah. we've always been uh, producing events virtually sort of at least once a week um, for the past couple of months. So it, when we were getting out of lockdown, um, we knew the a lot of the projects that were postponed, postponed and then postponed again um, needed to take place. So I think our team was really hungry, um, just as many other people, to kind of get out there and see people again and be able to, you know, lay place cards out, hand out name tags, do all of that. So I think in terms of pace, uh, and I don't think we even realised it, we were just excited to be back whilst we were delivering a lot of in-person experiences. We still had a lot of our virtual experiences um, being delivered online. But i got to say, one of the things we did realise when we got back out into a lot of those um, in-person events was the fact that we had to deal with other, um, you know, event issues that wasn't, you're on mute or refresh your page, you know. <laughs> it was nice to be like, oh, it's really cold today. We've got to deal with the weather <laughs> or it's really windy. <laughs> Um, all people are stuck in traffic because they actually have to travel to a venue um, rather than, you know, all the issues that we've been troubleshooting with um, our delegates the past two years around tech and how to use their computer. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what's the equivalent in the, you know, in in-person events to a, you're on mute and mm. uh, no one here is common, but the only thing I think of is maybe the microphone's not on. But uh... Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like it's, you know, not around tech, but probably it's like, oh, I've changed my mind. I'm coming today, that I, even though I didn't tell you. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. I do <laughs> feel like, and look, apologies to anyone uh, out there, event goers, but I do feel like some people may have forgotten 
uh, about RSVPing and uh, mm. purchasing tickets and those kind of things. We experienced that as well in our first few events back that, uh, mm. yeah, people were just rocking up and uh, oh, I thought you'd better squeeze me in just very cavalier, but, you know, that's yeah. the fun and joys of being an event manager. You make it happen. Yeah, exactly. Exactly that. So uh, what have you got for 2022, which sounds weird to say, it's right around the corner. What kind of big events have you got on the uh, the lineup and what are you looking forward to from um, you know, a personal standpoint as well? Personally, I'm looking forward to a holiday break. <laughs> Very much so. So I'm taking an extra week off um, in January, which I'm really excited about. Just, are you travelling yeah. or, or staying just staying put, I'm looking forward to just cleaning my house, seeing family, eating lots and sleeping, <laughs> the basics. <laughs> um, in terms of business-wise, um, we've got quite a few exciting projects in um, the works. We obviously work a lot with um, universities in the education sector. Um, one of the universities is the University of Melbourne, so lots of exciting awards nights that we're producing for them, same with Orientation Day exhibitions and so forth um, and we've got a few exciting I guess gala dinners and things like that with government as well we probably yeah. can't talk about it right now but um, all really really exciting things yeah yeah now if anyone's listening to this and uh, you know they're running their events you would know this better than most people that uh, a lot of people think that they can you know just run an event outside of their normal work scope um, what would be I guess two tips I'm going to talk about or pros and cons what would be a tip for someone who is trying to do that and I guess secondly you know maybe it's a little plug for JT production but uh what would be your advice to someone who who's thinking I need to get some help with this event mm, yeah great great one if you're trying to run your own uh event in-house and that's um totally understandable and um is a great opportunity to do so uh, I would suggest to actually hop on our website we've got some great blogs um, already in existence with some great tips around how to plan an event. But I would say just generally is to make the basic things like checklists um, and work backwards from your end date. Um, so a lot of people always start at the beginning. It's like, right, I'm starting to plan my event today. <laughs> day one, I'm going to do this. Um, and a lot of the times people forget that an event is an end date and that's your end goal of a project. So start there and work your way um, back from it. Um, and, you know, without... I guess, pointing out the obvious, but have lots of contingents um, in place. Um, COVID-19, as much as I've been saying that, oh, we're coming out of COVID-19, but it's still pretty much still in existence and it's still going to be around us for a long time. Um, so, you know, uh, keep up to date with the government website, ensure that you do have um, solid COVID plans, risk management plans um, in place, um, and just don't underestimate um, the resource that you need uh, in order to manage that COVID, um, I guess, safety piece of it. So that's really, really important um, because at the end of the day, uh, we're here to bring people together, to celebrate, to spark conversations, but we've got to do it in a safe um, environment. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, that, that speaks to me as well. When, when I was first uh, starting to run events and learn about the industry, there were so many guidelines and uh, you know, government rules and, and also even just different venues that to keep across and it is quite a lot to uh, to try and keep track of. And that can, to me, was one of the advantages of working with someone who knew all those things already, that uh, mm. it's just ingrained in their brain. They know all these things. Uh, the experience behind them is a, is a huge help. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I guess to answer your second question um, around uh, if they wanted to, 
if someone was interested in outsourcing or um, looking for additional support, I guess the trigger point for a lot of our clients and organisations who are then on the hunt for an event manager or an event agency to jump on board is the realisation of how much work is involved in planning a seamless event, as you know. (laughs) Uh, There's a lot of tasks, there's a lot of nuances, a lot of correspondence. If you've got a um, pretty full-on job on a day-to-day basis, um, running an event can be quite stressful. And this is probably a good trigger point for you to consider outsourcing. Um, And just know that from, I mean, I can't speak to every event agency out there, but definitely for JT, we're pretty much an extension to our clients' teams. We work in a collaborative manner um, and we come in at any stages of an event process. It's not necessarily just all end-to-end. We can come in just to manage certain portions of an event management uh, process registration, the tech side of things, the event delivery, um, or we can come in and do it all. But the point is it's all in the collaboration and that we're here to work very, very closely with all of our clients. So, yeah. Fantastic. So lastly, uh, I just want to, um, you know, we, we started back in 2016 at this chat and so I want to finish there as well. Um, you said that you do remember the awards night quite well. What was uh the feeling like when you heard your name called out as the winner? Yeah. Um, well, I actually still have the video because um, my partner recorded me going on stage oh, okay. to get my award. The uh, feeling, honestly, um, I was actually there um, with my incredible mentors from Western Chances, so the charity that I'm an ambassador for. They, they actually bought me a ticket to come as well as my partner. I was nervous sitting there and I honestly, you know, got to say this, but as finalists, obviously you're going to suss out your competition, right? Uh, I was reading the program booklet, seeing who else um, I was up against and I genuinely thought everyone was so incredible Um, and it really is, you know, everyone in that room um, and every year when you guys put on these awards, you do bring in such incredible um, talent um, and success stories in the room Um, and so I genuinely did not think that I would win. <laughs> um, so I was strolling back to my table after my um, certificate and I got my final certificate and I was sitting down and everyone on the table was like feeling nervous um, and they were getting their phones out and everything. And I was like, don't put your phone away, you know. <laughs> and when my name got called, I think I was just shocked, to be honest. I was yeah, like, fine. oh, my God, what what did they say before? I have to get back up on stage and where do I need to stand? So it was just an incredible moment um, and it was quite emotional because like my mum didn't come because um, she is quite shy in these kind of environments um, and at that moment I really wished that she was there because, uh, yeah, it's just, you know, this is all her hard work as well. I just felt like it was an incredible feeling to know that you've got an external organisation, um, judges who really believed in what you do um, and really want to recognise your achievement. And I think that feeling is such a, a kickstart to my career, no pun intended, <laughs> with my own award. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, that's fantastic. Well, uh, well, thanks for taking the time to chat with us today, Julia. I really appreciate it. If people want to follow you uh, and you know find out about the events you run, um, can you give us those tags or, or where's the best place they can connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you're welcome to follow us on LinkedIn or Instagram. So it's just at jt.productionmanagement. Um, otherwise, you can find us on our website, jtproductionmanagement.com, um, or even just drop me an email um, at julia at jtproductionmanagement.com. 
Lovely. And uh, yeah, if you are interested in events for anyone listening at, if in any way, I do recommend following that Instagram page because yeah, it's a lot of great content, you know, inspiration and ideas for events too, um, I think as well. So yeah, thanks once again, Julia, and uh, look forward to following what's happening in 2022, seeing all those big events and uh, hope you do get that rest and sleep and food over the break. Thank you so much for having me on board. I'm so excited and you guys are doing a fantastic job with this podcast as well. So thank you. Thanks, Julia. One last plug. What was your podcast called again? It's at The Collective West. Yep. Thank you. Brilliant. That will be in the uh, the show notes for anyone wondering. Woo! (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Julia. I hope you enjoyed that interview. If you liked it or any of our other episodes, it would be great if you can rate and review the Inspirational Australians podcast. It really helps us out. If someone you know needs a little dose of inspiration, why not let them know about this podcast? And if you haven't already, make sure you're subscribed so that you won't miss an episode. Join us each week as we talk with ordinary Australians achieving extraordinary things. You can always head to our website at awardsaustralia.com slash podcast for more information and details on each guest. Now, before we go, I'd like to thank Annette, our producer. Here's a fun fact. Annette is my mum, and our other host, Jeff, is my dad. This podcast is brought to you by Awards Australia, a family-owned business that proudly uncovers the stories of people who make a difference for others. We can only do this with the support of our corporate and not-for-profit partners as they make our awards programs possible. So do you know someone making a difference? If you'd like to recommend someone to be a guest on the podcast, get in touch through our Instagram page, inspirational.australians or maybe your business might like to sponsor the podcast or get involved with the awards we run head to our website awardsaustralia.com for more details until next week stay safe and remember together we make a difference thanks for joining us today on the inspirational australians podcast we hope you enjoyed listening and have been inspired by ordinary australians achieving extraordinary things. So it's goodbye for another week. Remember, together we make a difference.